नमस्ते दी सब्जेक्ट इज द आइडियल फिजिशियन बट आई हैड ट्वीक डिट ए लिटल अर्लियर इट हैज नॉट कम थ्रू इन द लेटेस्ट वन बट दैट्स ओके द सब्जेक्ट दैट आई हैव एक्चुअली स्लाइटली ट्वीक डिट टू इज द आइडियल हीलर because uh, generally we associate the term physician with a certain group of people who have done their you know some kind of specialization and degree and this is the age of specialization but there is a healer within each one of us and we are at once healers regardless of the degree there are there are physicians who may not be healers and there are people who don't have a degree of uh, medicine or whatever else but they are healers so we should bring out the healer within us and the logic of it is that just like technology is an extension of our of our being of our consciousness some functionality either actual or potential so also healing is an extension of who we are what we are of some latent possibility of nature in fact different systems of healing utilize some line of nature uh, which is used even otherwise ordinarily for healing purposes so uh, just to start with a little example to warm up every day we indulge in practices which can either lead to healing or activation of healing energies within us or it may lead to the sense of sickness take a simple example we wake up in the morning and we start our day with gratitude uh, it's a wonderful practice and uh, when we start our day with gratitude what does it mean we have opened ourselves to the whole creation to the cosmos to the creator himself gratitude is a way of connecting and after all why not we have slept whole night and uh, you know many things could have happened in that state but we have woken up we have a new lease of life we have a fresh day to begin with so when we start with this gratitude there is an opening to all that is around us then uh, another thing which which we do uh, often you know in the morning when we wake up we and when we meet people in the house and as we move out we normally have a greeting good morning bonjour or namaste or you know in in different ways now we don't realize that when we are greeting someone there is already the power of word sound feeling which is being thrown into the atmosphere and we can uh, you know greet somebody with a glum and gloomy face good morning as if you know big uh, strain is upon us or we can do it right from the heart with lot of cheer and goodwill and when we wish namaste good morning it has a lot of sense from within it it starts making somebody's day or take another example when we meet someone and this is where you know we have to be very careful uh, in our ignorant goodwill we look at something which uh, is amiss you know we have this tendency there are two kinds of people who who see that little spot on the moon and others who see the silver lining in the cloud so those who see the little spot on the moon will suddenly observe you must have um, you know experienced it i have experienced it uh, doctor sir your eyes are not looking fine is everything okay your skin is looking yellow as if you know now we don't realize the devastating effect sometimes of these comments uh, whereas when we look at someone and simply you know the same thing like someone has lost weight let us say we could say something like uh, is everything okay you have lost weight or we can say well you look slim are you doing some exercises we are communicating the same thing but in a very nice and beautiful way setting into motion forces which are very positive in nature so this continues throughout the day and all of us are can be healers or all of us can be uh, ignorantly of course tools to spread illness take another example where we can spread fear mother says that uh, one of the reason for illness is bad will so we don't even realize that we know we think um, in very negative terms about ourselves about others and these are real entities we think that the thoughts we think are our private property but they are not i mean everything every energy you know and if we take the law of karma karma is not just what we speak and do but karma is also every thought feeling will impulsion everything it's a whole machinery of nature it's an energy released and takes its course once it is set into motion it goes around the universe and comes back to us but in the process it creates lot of disorder and confusion on the way so it's so important to have a certain degree of mastery over thoughts and feelings and will 
uh, and that's a whole yoga in its own right. But the important point to remember is that when we think of someone, let us think with uh, grace and beauty and dignity and goodwill. The moment we take, uh, the moment we think and release certain energies of, of bad will is of course very extreme thing, but sometimes it's an ignorant bad will. We look at somebody and you know, passingly we may have this thought formation that, oh, I don't think he's going to live long. Now, are we God? I remember one incidence when, uh, you know, as a young uh, doctor taking the rounds, uh, in fact, internship. So I was taking the rounds with one of the cardiologists and uh, we were, uh, we had just crossed a patient who was uh, comatose or so we thought. And uh, while we were standing there, um, you know, one of the interns remarked, I don't think he's going to live long. And we all, you know, yeah, 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 that's how. And we went to the other bed and this man suddenly opened his eyes and to our dismay says, doctor, don't say like that and collapse. Now, this is something ha- that happened right in front of us. Uh, I have seen just the reverse examples also. Uh, in fact, there are studies that even comatose patients are listening. Even in Nimaz, there, there are proper equipments and I had gone there uh, and, uh, you know, they were uh, explaining that how they have done experiments wherein even our thoughts... A communication to a comatose patient is being received by some area of the brain. And brain being the master hub, it starts spreading it all through the system. So the power of suggestion is so great. And especially when somebody is near and dear one, somebody whom we cherish, somebody whom we really look up to, uh, then when the suggestion comes from such a person, that's why the mother and Shubindu say, uh, why do you make prognostications? Prognostications uh, is like uh, future reading. Who are we? So we, we as healers or caretakers, caregivers, we need to just... Uh, do what we are called upon to do and leave the rest to the divine. Uh, what may happen, how many days, how many minutes, how many years, uh, we are not here to decide that. I mean, unless we are, you know, uh, cephalogists uh, or soothsayers. So this is important that the state in which we are in. Now, obviously, we can do all this if we have put ourselves in a beautiful state. If we are ourselves not in a good state, then it's ideal to expect that uh, whether as healers or as uh, normal human beings, regular human beings, uh, we go around the world and spreading positivity. It's, it's, it's just impossible. So it's important that when we embark upon our daily activities every day morning, we sit quietly and we just invoke all the beautiful things. We invoke peace, we invoke gratitude, we invoke wideness, calm, uh, tranquility, courage, most important love and then we are armed. So before we release these energies in the world, we must have a store of that. Otherwise, we will be, we'll be signing checks which, are, which will bounce back. So we, it may be very nice for us to say, see, some people have that power that they just look into someone's eyes and it has the capacity to transmit something because that storehouse is within us. In other words, we have to engage into a kind of conscious yoga. To be a good healer, like anything else, to be a good teacher, mother said you have to be a yogi. Uh, take another example of another uh, physician whom um, uh, whose story I have heard, who would uh, take the rounds and his patients would you know recover much better, they would do much better. And one of the students asked him that why is it and how come that your students, your patients seem to do much better even though you are using the same medicines. So he just smiled and said, no, no, this, uh, this is a, not a big secret. This is a very simple secret. So the, naturally the students asked, what is the secret? He said, nothing. When I stand in front of patients, I just tell them, hey, Sachidananda Brahm, why are you wearing this cloth of sickness and disease? This is not befitting you. Now you see, what is he doing? He is looking at a person not as a sick. This is called a divine-centric approach, which is right from the yoga. We look at people on the surface personality, we label them, categorize them and this is a big problem with doctors and the whole medical world. You walk into a hospital with one disease or half or one fourth, you come back with one, you go back, you have two, you go again, you have two and a half, this goes on. Why? Because there is a whole formation, collective formation. After all, medicine is built around sickness and in that sense, the ancient systems of Ayurveda and homeopathy had this advantage. It's very unfortunate now that is also, you know, because of the kind of commercial influence. Now you have uh, allopathic medicines for, uh, you know, COVID-19, homeopathic medicines for COVID-19. That's not how it operates. It should be, it's about looking at a human being in totality. It's not about illness. 
Whereas in allopathy, we do it. We label sinusitis, this. So this labeling of illness works like a reverse mantra. Uh, like the black mass. Instead, what we should do is, we should always remember and remind ourselves. There is a very beautiful meditation given in Shurabindo's book, uh, Ishavashi Upanishad, where he speaks of every day, you know, how we should enter into that beautiful state. He said, lift your eyes towards the sun and see that that splendor burning uh, is within us. And when we look at human beings passing by our side, it is God passing by our side. You see that wonderful poem, who in the blue of the sky, in the green of the forest, whose is the hand that has painted the glow? When the winds were asleep in the womb of the ether, who was it? Roused them and bade them to blow. When we look at the world with this wonder, one of the problem of degrees is that we have lost that wonder because we have fixed and labeled everything, categorized, docketed, put them, classified and you know we go, it's, it's a typical way that mind functions and because of we have fixed it, it's like proving a prophecy. You tell a child all the time that you are a bad uh, boy, you are a you know horrible person, uh, child or a grown up and he turns out to be so. And then we say, look, prove the point. The child would say, you, you prove the point by literally inducing that state within me. So what a beautiful way to remember that who dwells within us as we walk through life. He reminds us, Shobindo uh, so beautifully, that fear not, grieve not, for in your apparent body dwells the one whose breath can create and destroy millions of universes each moment. So this living with the divine, with this sense, it's not just a practice. It's a living experience. What does it mean? It means that we have one who is a permanent friend. We have someone to whom we can always turn to for help. And he's available all the time. We have someone to whom we can surrender right in the midst of the battle. And say, Shishya Steham Sadhima, you lead the battle of my life, the journey. And life begins to change. So this fundamental change within starts putting all our nature into a different groove altogether. So this is one of the aspects that a healer must have. Then there is another aspect which is very important for a healer is all healers, good healers are generous and giving. And here I remember, you know, uh, one of the very good advices that the mother gave, all the things she has said are very profound and deep. But she says that, you know, when you are depressed, uh, even when we are not well. So one of the things is to bring flowers. Now, you know, doctors sometimes they overdo hygiene and all this and, you know, like famous story of Parikshit, don't bring flowers because, you know, they contain germs because they see germs everywhere. But flowers also bring beauty. They bring frankness. They bring openness. They bring wideness. They bring generosity. They bring light. All the things that we need for healing. And if not near the patient, some place where, you know, the whole atmosphere of the room in which a patient lives is so important. See, when people go to a hospital, typical hospital setup, uh, it's like everything there speaks of illness. As if illness is hanging on all the little pecks that are there. All the formations that a previous patient has left. And while we may fumigate a room, but fumigation doesn't kill thought energies, it doesn't kill... Uh, the feelings, the vibrations which are left in the room and any person with a little sensitivity can catch it. I am aware, you know, recent uh, this case of this suicide. I know so many people started writing and some of them are writing that, you know, um, doctor, I never knew this actor. I, I mean, I knew the actor but I never followed him. I am not a fan but I feel very depressed. I feel grave injustice has been done to him and so on and so forth. And I had to explain how the network of these forces work. And he was in a world which is known for for you know glamour world is like artificial shine it's full of darkness behind the neat facade of life and if you open and expose yourself unless you are strong and you know their game plan uh, you will be affected and when we get interested or sympathetic towards anyone who has been caught in that web and of course through the television also and internet so all these things enter into us so this force begins to spread like a miasm See what happened during the COVID. It has spread like a miasm now. You know, it has brought out so much fear from inside. So it's so important to, you know, keep ourselves clean of all this and instead be a giver. Now, the difference between a giver and uh, I would use the word miser is, miser is eyes are all the time on what gain he will get. So there are doctors who are doctors by degree. 
but their eyes on what money they are going to get out of the patient, what benefits, what favors. They are they're full of ambition. Uh, you know, they want to publish papers and uh, to get into the next uh, um, next groove, promotion, etc., etc. Now, misers are not good healers, and misers are literally miserable people. Because we don't give, we shrink, 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 we become narrow. And we, when we become narrow, we are full of fear. See, fear is a sign of narrowness. The smaller we are, the more afraid we are. Smaller means we can be ultimately concentrated only on the self that my body is all and I am the body. Whereas on the contrary, we should widen. All givers are very wide and giving makes us wide. So the generous heart, a generous um, thought... And this has to be practiced in everyday life, not just to a patient. You know, there are people who have, may have insulted us, people who may have, you know, done things to us which uh, we may not have liked. But if we have a generous heart, forgiving heart, we give, then naturally we widen. So we should be like that flower. And uh, not just like that flower, but I would say our life should be like a flower and a prayer offered at the divine feet. Now imagine, you know, when we look at uh, some of our images, in at least in uh, Hindu scripture, we have the image of uh, Lord Vishnu sleeping on the great ocean. He has the mace in one hand, Sudarshan Chakra in another, and he has the conch shell in the third one, and he has a flower in the fourth one. It's a power. It's not just a flower. It's a power in its own right. So we, if, if we may not always be the mace of God or the Sudarshan Chakra, each of them, you know, mace is the strength which we must have inside if we want to walk through life and help people and, you know, heal humanity. A person who is very weak-hearted, chicken-hearted as they say, he cannot really help in the work. But we have to be strong, courageous. Courage is so important. And also like Sudarshan Chakra, dispelling darkness. Sudarshan Chakra brings light wherever it goes. It slays darkness and all the embodiments of darkness. So when we interact with people, when we you know, meet, uh, go into this world, there is so much of... And what is darkness? Darkness is a state of unconsciousness where, and falsehood where we are not aware of the deeper truth. People are clinging on to the body as if, you know, if the body goes away, what is going to happen? When somebody wrote to the mother uh, in this vein, so at one point, like a veritable Mahakali, she says, So what are you afraid of? What can happen? Okay, you may die. What is there to be afraid of death? Now, you see, this is something, I am not saying we should speak to people. <laughs> Divine mother, uh, you know, in, in one of her moods, in another mood she would... Uh, be Maheshwari then Mahalakshmi but this is a truth that while body has its important but in itself it, it, it is like anything else in this world like any other matter its important comes from the user and that's where we need to understand that the body being looked upon by the physicians and the healers and all of us as a machine now it is not a machine if you go back to the scriptures it's an instrument it's an instrument and a channel for something. When we start looking upon the body that way, then that's when true preventive medicine starts. Let's take a simple example. We have the voice and the throat, common apparatus. What do we use it for? It's a machine. Now, we can use it for projecting beautiful things in this world and we can use it for projecting all kinds of uh, fears, all kinds of anxieties, all kinds of worries into the world. This is one example. Our hands, how do we use our hands for? Our feet, where do we carry these feet? Are our feet and hands driven to the, uh, you know, vital energies within us? See, there are certain music uh, where automatically the feet and the hands begin to move in a certain way. Whereas there are certain other kinds of music where you see that the head and the upper torso begins to move in a certain way. There's other kinds of music where the whole being thrills into a state of harmony, uplifts itself into a state of prayer. It becomes still. There are other kinds of states in which our body can assume spontaneously certain mudras. So body, our entire body is an instrument. Even a heart beats in certain ways at different events. And once we recognize this, that our brain, our body, our heart our speech, our hands, our feet, even the organs in the abdomen, for instance, those who are very bitter-natured, you know, they, their liver, you know, often accumulates all these. After all, what is liver? Its function is to, uh, you know, destroy the poison. And so all the poison goes into the liver for destruction. And it gets eliminated through the kidney. So one can look upon the body as a symbol. 
and it is a symbol it's representative of uh, certain movements within us and that's why when we trace back to the whole uh, you know the puranas and the upanishads we discover that what is this body the gods are hidden here in the human body and they are working but we have forgotten these gods what we remember is now now the body has become prey to various kinds of forces now take for example one of the places mother says very beautifully she says that desires irritate the organs now it is such a wonderful clue what happens when we desire an organ begins to work over time at the expense of something else now take an extreme form of desire greed now greed takes you know form of cancers and tumors because now certain cells in the body respond to that state and they feel they get the signal because see greed then mind mind sends a signal that you need to overwork uh say greed for food desire for excessive food now the stomach begins to uh, do overwork even if we are not eating it is enough because mind does not always the body gets the switch from the mind it does not necessarily distinguish between what we call as a physical reality and a virtual reality so our thoughts our imaginations they start working on the organ and they start stimulating it in one way or the other and it tends to create imbalances and disequilibrium and illnesses so again we go back to the same thing that how, how do we look upon the body is it just a tool machine evolved out of nature with no real purpose or it has a certain purpose it's an instrument of the soul it should become but before it becomes an instrument of the soul we must disinherit those masters who have been ruling it the master number 1 which we allow our body to be used at is by ego and along with ego minister mis desire so these are the two bad masters they were needed at a point of time now without going into that but now we should bring out the true master the true healer as we know is the psychic being and i i was just seeing the notes that people have been you know uh, very nicely someone has already spoken and there is a book also but important thing about any of these things it's not a method or a technique important thing is do we really want to discover it and if we want to discover it if we have the thirst you know that story of shri ramakrishna Uh, you know we hear lovely things but uh, we forget and someone asked shri ramakrishna that um, uh, is it true that uh, you know one can find the divine instantly he said yes it is true uh, so he said tell me how to find and he kept quiet uh, okay tell me how to find he said come with me so he goes with him thinking he is going to give him some mantra some instruction and he takes him to the ganges and he says now take a dip so as he takes the dip he just holds his hand below the water and after some time he feels stifled breathless and he that's the time when he releases him and he comes out and then shri ramakrishna asked him that uh, what were you thinking what were you wanting at that point of time he said just breath and he and he said that the day you uh, want the divine uh, with this intensity as you want the breath to to make the divine the very breath of our life the very heartbeat that day you will find him so it's not about a method and a technique as about a certain attitude a state a thirst and naturally to have that thirst everything must be referred to the divine and that's why we have the famous principle of remember and offer whatever it be everything can become a means of yoga we have an illness so called illness certain symptoms we can offer it to the divine it's not like we have to sit in a yagna and do it at a particular point of time when um uh, you know we feel fine everything is wonderful we can offer gratitude to the divine not only gratitude what happens when we are well we go back to the old ways whereas actually it's a new lease of life given to us and we can literally pray that up till now i have used this body in ignorant ways at the mercy of ego for pleasure this and that now that i am fine by your grace not only i offer gratitude but i pray to you to take charge of this body this bodily instrument which has strayed from its real purpose now this can only happen when our goal is right when the goal most of us move through life very aimlessly without a goal or we have very short term goals so the body the life energies the mind energies are also limited because the creator gives us only that much which is needed but when if we really want to change our destiny change the out of circumstances the situations we need to reorient our goal you know there is a very interesting um, real life story which i read in one of the books by dr andrew wheel 
that you know those were days when lst experiments were done to know what it what kind of things it induces into a person but they were given only on terminally ill patient because you know it of these potential effects so there was a lady who was pregnant and uh, she was given lst it was like couple of months nobody she had almost decided i'm going to abort the child and uh, therefore the experiment was being conducted she knew death is inevitable and in that state of lst she entered into a uh, into a strange state a strange land as she describes where uh, you know she was aware only of a will and then she was asked by the doctor different things at one point the doctor asked do you want the baby and that she ended up saying something which her surface will had surface will had said no knowing that she is going to die but the deeper will said yes i want the baby and then after some time when she came out she recounted the experience that during that time many things entered into her that it is not just about choosing a baby it's choosing life over death it's choosing a absolutely new way of life instead of being the martyr instead of you know the suffering person at home so she changed many things in her life she changed the husband to start with important <laughs> action she changed the job she changed the place where she was living in she took up a job which is which was more conducive to her inner truth otherwise she was doing a job which was only for money so there are many things which are inside us which we need to now limited goals which are not in tune with our true nature will take us only to a limited point and we'll get only limited fuels now this lady continued to live for 20 years after that the maximum life which was given was 6 months and how did this miracle happen this miracle happened only because she reoriented the life goal so the whole cosmos you know begins to uh, conspire that look you know this is her will so destiny must change her destiny was death why was destiny death because she had to change over and restart her life along a new line altogether uh, along the lines of a deeper truth which she never lived lot of people they feel stifled inside and they never know and uh, you know because of that they are living in a state of constant inner anxieties fears depression uh, and because of various social reasons basically lack of courage lack of faith they don't allow their deeper truth to express but if we allow our deeper truth to express then we don't have to worry about anything you know that richard bach's book illusions uh, very nicely you know <laughs> when the trainer uh, that is asked by the trainee he says how do we know that uh, uh, about the mission of life so he says very beautifully as long as we are alive we have a mission so we could put it the other way when we have a mission a work to do then all our systems are tuned to that i mean nature many anomalies we will find but by and large if we have a great goal a vast goal even then i mean when we look at life like that then even what does it matter you know how long we live what is important is what has been done what has been given to the world look at the life of swami vivekananda 39 years but what a tremendous achievement now this is one aspect of it but at the same time and that's what the mother reminds us that if you want the body to give its maximum and if you want these tremendous energies to move us we have a great goal high goal then we must also open the body to these new forces we must keep upgrading it so you see now this sense of upgrading uh, con- continuous medical ed- education is there in medicine or you know all the scientists they or in computer we keep upgrading the software so we should look at it that have we upgraded the software but also can the hardware support the new software so we have to keep on doing that physical culture it should be a way of life but physical culture not just to look good not just to look healthy not out of fear that if i don't do this i'll fall ill so then it's a you know mixed bag that on one side uh, like a lot of people you know take uh, vitamin c zinc uh, vitamin d these days but there is a lot of fear inside oh what if i have covid now well on one side i am taking something to help the body on the other side i am injecting fear so that the two will uh, ultimately will be a tussle and a fight and very often when there is such a fight fear is the one who is the victor so we must do physical culture do everything which is beautiful for the body put it in a state of health good regularity discipline exercise very simple walking 40 minutes a day is wonderful if you can do it with uh, 
some kind of mantra going on inside then there is a direct impact upon the body but when we do it uh, with the idea that this body is an instrument and a channel for the divine not in a state of ego like ravana did meditation he did asanas and everything else at the end and he was a pandit and a brahmin to boot but in the end what happened out of him a gigantic aggrandized ego which met its own nemesis because of his own um, you know tremendous ego which he had cultivated so it's so important to have a goal a high goal a noble goal a disinterested goal a beautiful goal this is one of the best ways to keep fear away and to help us live because you know we have a goal which we have to accomplish it helps the whole body mind vital keep aligning and keep on moving in that direction but what happens say point come when we give up this tendency to give up because one thinks one is unfit depressed and you know etc is basically because of a lack of trust in the grace we believe that we are impossible cases we believe that you know we are nuts and nobody can help us it is because we don't have enough trust in the grace whereas if we trust grace infinite grace this whole creation is a journey of grace from dust to man so can't it carry us it can carry us so whenever we are faced with a wall this chinese saying when we are faced with a wall change and pass through what is the change needed is to upgrade to reorient our goal and most important for this reorientation and moving forward to trust the grace basically it's our mental arrogance which you know does not allow us to trust in the grace and if you can do it if you can offer you know to the grace then nothing is impossible this is the story of this person in in the ashram sadashiv who had you know uh, back pain and the doctor said advised him surgery he wrote to the mother um, mother said do as you as you please so he was a bit confused so he consulted another doctor he said urgent surgery and medicine is tuberculosis of the spine uh, it requires both uh, severe back pain so again he wrote to the mother and the mother said do as you please he said no mother i want to do as you please and this was when he was in 40s and the mother's reply came uh, if you ask me then i must tell you it is only the grace that can cure you have an unshakable faith in the grace now he then abandoned everything and with that unshakable faith lived on for another 40 years now this is the difference now where does on one side the divine lets us follow a path which we have faith in so very often people talk about systems and they compare what they miss out on is the crucial element which is faith in all kinds of healing and there are any number of examples for shortage of time i am not going into it but we know for example it is known that you know uh, there are drugs which are given for cancer which are immune suppressants now there have been experiments where somebody had a cancer and uh, what was given was what is called as saccharin now of course we use different substitute but it was called that this is the drug which will uh, which is an immunosuppressant it is coming in this form and the person took it now what is amazing is not only the cancer responded the white cell count came down i mean this is a neutral something it's just impossible so faith is so important and we talk about the placebo effect but there is another effect which i have already spoken of earlier without using the name the name is nocebo effect so we also have patients who will come and say doctor this medicine the moment i took within half an hour i had a headache and this side effect and that side effect so that's why we explain that please don't graduate in whatsapp university and the internet gyan it's a whole experience when we go to a doctor take with faith but the problem is also with doctors and healers they don't inspire faith now faith is not like giving a, a oh you will be cured or you know i have cured and healed so many people it's it's not a state of the ego faith is something which comes from the soul and when we have this trust in the divine grace and when a patient comes or a client comes so we meet somebody we don't have to do any big things we don't have to use our bio data or big claims and whatever because then surely the forces will make sure that we crash and collapse and we are proved wrong but instead of that simply when somebody asks smile and you know just like old time doctors such a wonderful thing that you know we are giving the medicine the divine grace will cure what is there and with a smile smile can work wonders but very often doctors looking at the ct scan and the patient blood pressure is going on what's going on inside my head and then he passes a very grim something you know you have 6 months to live 
So I had a doctor like that and a lady who had got so much afraid because the doctor has said your son is going to live only for 15 days and she was terribly broken down and I said you go and ask the doctor does he know what's going to happen in his life next day. So why do we do that? Why do we play God? God is God and we should just keep offering to him. So when a person comes, trust in the grace, induce that state of faith, induce that strength, will. You know, it is known that there is a will to live and there is a will to die. Many illnesses are connected to the will to die. Things like chronic arthritis, things like, you know, autoimmune disorder. I have often probed people and I have discovered if surface consciousness doesn't know. If you ask a person, he'll say, of course I want to live, that's why I have come. But if you look deep inside, there is something like a chronic miasm which is saying, what's the use of life? It's like, you know, Shabindu uses a term in um, Savitri, the fifth columnist's murmur. Remember the story of Karna and Shalya. So when Karna is uh, shooting the arrows, Shalya is actually mama of maternal uncle of uh, Nakul and Sehde, Madri's brother. But because of a certain, you know, web of deception, he is caught up in Duryodhana's side and he finds himself there uh, and he chooses to, you know, chariot the uh, Karna's chariot, be the charioteer. But he plays a very strange role. He keeps murmuring to Karna the prowess of Arjuna. He says, you know, you don't know. He is a valiant warrior. You don't know. He has many weapons. And at some point, Karna says, whose side are you really fighting? So when we look at our own life, we see that there is on one side a will to recover. On the other side, there is little, little disgruntled, frustrated, complaining state inside, miserly outlook, looking at life and saying, what is this life? It is so horrible, so useless. So what are we doing? We are impacting ourselves with this will. We think it's just a casual thing. So will, faith, thoughts, again, when we speak of thoughts, thoughts have... Thoughts contain three things. One is the words, then the sound, and then we have in thoughts the images. Now, when we use imagery, guided imagery and all, we are using the imagery part of it. When we use a mantra, we are using the sound part of it. Then equally, there is the word, word which contains the substance, the energy. It's a very powerful thing. Mother gives the example when Shobindu said, yes, the supermind will descend. She actually saw the supermind touch. But why, don't, why is it that our word doesn't have power? Because there is no heart in it, because it's mechanical, because it is parrot-like, is the story I often say, is that a parrot speaks all the mantras, but he doesn't become a pandit. Because the parrot is not putting his heart into it, his eyes are on that chili which he is going to get when he recites the mantra. He has learnt it habitually. But true mantra, true prayer comes from the heart. I have seen people rescued, actually seen in my own life, rescued from imminent death. Why? Because a prayer leaped from inside the heart very spontaneously. It leaped in the language the person was aware of. And what did it ask for? Ask for, I want this person to live. And this person who had prayed in the state of earth, he gets, the, there is a conversation which follows with the Divine Mother. She says, what if her time has come? Because, you know, she has to go and the other person says, uh, her husband says that, well, uh, her soul may decide, what, is, what if her soul has chosen to go? Her soul may choose, but you can override everything. You can override the choice of the soul. And well, everything gets arrested. Severe head injury, the doctors are surprised that it, I mean, multiple fractures, anything could have happened. And the doctors say, how come everything has got arrested at a, after reaching a certain point of time. It's like a new birth. It's like a, you know, and there are many stories like that. But this one I am recounting from direct personal experience of someone. But, I mean, whom I know intimately. But otherwise, there are so many stories like that, real life stories, the power of prayer, simple prayer, art prayer. You know, we have the prayer, and prayer need not be with words, dumb prayer. The dumb prayer of four-footed things, as he says in Savitri, all nature dumbly calls to her alone to heal with her feet the aching throb of life and break the seals on the dim soul of man and kindle her fire in the closed heart of things. We have the story of the elephant praying to Lord Vishnu when he is caught up by the crocodile, leaving aside the symbolic nature of the story. But one thing very beautiful is that how does the elephant pray? He trumpets and the Lord hears. 
it's the state of art but because we lack faith we have never tried all our prayers have turned mechanical book prayers therefore we don't know how even to pray it should come from the heart so there are many powers which are within us uh, thought will faith power of suggestion courage Uh, generosity wideness all these we must cultivate and most important a cheerful state and a state of confidence all the time which comes from trust in the grace who is confident it all is going back to grace who is confident in all circumstances why was arjuna so confident going in the battlefield once after the geeta because of the great assurance of the lord that well you surrender to me i'll take care of everything this state of surrender in which one can enter brings cheerfulness and confident confidence because one knows that the divine is walking through in life just one day of practice one hour of practice that divine is with me whatever i may be doing i'm sitting at the dining table he's sitting with me i'm going to the bathroom he's walking with me i'm brushing my teeth and he's there watching smiling ogling who knows i'm wearing my dress and he's saying you want to hide yourself i know everything doesn't matter Okay, you wear the dress for the world. Amur proper, <laughs> the the outer kavach. <laughs> But before me, stand defenseless as a baby who has nothing to hide, nothing to conceal. And then our life begins to change. One very uh, important quality which I feel that all of us must have, uh, healers and everyone, and it is compassion. And at the heart of compassion, there is love. It is missing. A lot of illnesses simply because we lack compassion and love. It's because life has become very ego-centered. Life has become very much left-brain oriented. As somebody remarked very humorously, that you know there is two sides of the brain: the left and the right. The left has nothing left in it. The left has nothing right in it, and the right has nothing left in it. So we need to now bring that balance. We need to bring that energy of love. There is a beautiful book by Dr. Bernie Segal. He is a Uh, you know uh, 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 tumor specialist oncologist and the book's name is love miracle and medicines please read that book how this power of love even when we have cancer to tell the cells look here we love you we don't want you to go this way just like we have a child at home and the child is you know going his own way wayward you know i'll maybe you know time uh, is a sh- always a short commodity but Uh, one little story with which i learned you know one boy who had gone wayward uh, ashram school went went into drugs had cancer young age uh, 40s he is going to die and his father distraught man broken visited him and he said i know you may be unhappy you would be very unhappy but i must tell you something which you will remember the rest of your life when i leave the body and it will cheer you up so the father had actually shared with me this story So the boy said, "When I left the school, the mother called me and she told me only two things. And she said, 'First thing, never hide anything from me. And the second is, remember, I love you. We have forgotten to say this magic words. I love you. And this love is not I, which is a little egoistic personality called so and so. This is the I of the cosmos. Let us become that I." that i which is the divine himself and then when we say you not to a limited personality but you who is none else but the divine in disguise and then when we utter these magic words i love you it carries a tremendous power and we can scatter it on the whole creation uh, obviously i am not advising to say it here and there outwardly it can be very dangerous but yes when we move with plants with you know that oshadis will have this healing property we know ramayan how sushain ved when when the um, sanjeevani booty comes and you know um, he is uh, anga then sugriva rushing to give it to um, lakshmana he says hold on i have to awaken the herbal properties in it so how does he do it does a vidivat puja he prays he makes an offering he prays to the herb it's not unconscious we treat medicines as if they are unconscious pills how about keeping them you know at the feet of the lord and taking them you know shri krishna says i am oshadi i am herbs among the you know something to that effect that i am also oshadi vanaspati we we read the great sacrifice of the purusha in the upanishad see becomes vanaspati and oshadi so it is the lord when we take a pill it is not a pill it is not something mechanical unconscious not a chemical containing this and that and this and that 
it contains the lord all the energies of the lord are there so when we live life in that way life becomes a wonder and last and not the least let us remember that this body has countless possibilities it can ward off illnesses as she says by simply creating a wonderful protective envelope and she says this envelope is partly from the physical and partly from the psychological state uh, rest and exercise right balance health lack of fatigue uh, diet we take on the other side is psychological state of cheerfulness faith it builds an envelope on the other hand fear anxiety anger all these peers holds into it so let us live with this wonderful state that this this is possible even now but this body has many other possibilities latent which are going to emerge and let us work towards a day when the body will be spontaneously immune from all illnesses the great vision of the supramental body the divinized body of which shobindu has spoken everywhere but particularly in his magnum opus sabitri so i stop here and invite questions thank you so much we have one question that many people have what is the name of the book that you referred to about love and miracles yes so name of the book uh, is love medicine miracle and it is by dr bernie siegel b e r n i e you will find it very easily it's a very famous book and there is another book i referred to which is also very interesting is by dr andrew veil i forget the name now i had read it long back and there is another book by dr valentine it's on radical healing so these are three books i would recommend in terms of looking at health in a deeper larger and holistic perspective of course there are writings of madhuran shobindu i saw integral healing which is a wonderful book so yes that these are the books bernie siegel so b e r n i e if you type love miracle medicine you will find it uh, there is a question from a 35 year old person who says uh, that they are suffering from acidity and taking a 20 mg omeprazolam i'm not sure of the pronunciation yeah, yeah, yeah. which uh, they are not able to go on to the day so she's looking or he is looking for alternatives on how to heal without taking this medicine well uh, about the medicine i'll not comment it's obviously most likely omeprazole in all likelihood and that he should go by the doctor's advice because i haven't really seen but one thing which i can say is that the stomach is very susceptible to our thoughts and what one should practice is uh, you know kindness generosity to really have very kind thoughts inside sometimes what happens uh, because of various uh, uh, you know situations and circumstances outside we tend to uh, you know become harsh uh, mainly to our own self and uh, stomach acidity responds very well to that release of energies of kindness uh, within our own being it also responds very well to uh, you know it, or rather the stomach responds very much to anxieties so it is known that when there is lot of anxiety the stomach tends to develop acidities so to find ways and means of getting rid of anxiety and because it's a vast subject and without really knowing the person personally it's very difficult to say but one thing which i would suggest is just practice some widening exercise to lie down i mean on a on a on a flat ground with a very light uh, uh, mattress not too thick not too thin uh, and then to just stretch out and think of something vast vast in terms of the ocean the stars studded sky vast in terms of endlessness of space and the boundlessness of time enter into a state of vastness then all that is causing us anxiety and fears and disturbance we will think that this is nothing but a fraction of a moment when we look at life see one of the big advantage of looking at the whole idea of rebirth is we look at life as a continuum a vast journey on a very huge landscape it itself liberates us from all narrowness that oh i am so and so i am this little being who has to achieve this success immediately in 5 years 10 years it makes us vast because it's many lives through which we live and it's so wonderful while it doesn't mean we should slacken our efforts but it means that you know we we start looking at life on a very vast landscape today i am in this country tomorrow i may be in another i may be meeting another set of people and circumstances 
But what is important is that which within which is carrying on the journey, the dehi, the the soul within, and we should also try to get some contact with that. Now, this of course is a different from the question. Yeah. It's going off. Can you? Yeah, I can hear now. Yes. Uh, how to find spiritual balance between opposites? Being giving, non-selfish versus feeling of being used. Difference between focusing on the good versus denying the problem. Okay. Yeah. So this is a very, very good question. A common problem we all encounter that when we are giving, what if people use us? Well, it's their karma. Let them use. Let them try to use. See, there is a very beautiful thing in synthesis where Shurbindo says that when you receive something and give something. You must take it that it is coming from the divine and you are giving to the divine. And then he says something very beautiful. This is regardless of the recipient. Even if the recipient refuses the immediate gift, even if he misuses the gift, in our state of consciousness we have given to the divine. So the secret lies that don't give to a human being. When you are giving to a human being, remember that you are giving to the divine in that person. It may be material things, it may be act of love. But if we are giving to a human being, then yes, definitely there is a problem. It brings in a lot of expectations and yes, all the energies will affect us. But if we know that it is not to the person but to the divine we are giving, it will release us into wideness. This is a very beautiful uh, question which was asked to mother. Mother, when love comes into our life, what should we do? Because, you know, we are supposed to love only the divine, but when human love comes, what we should do? She says, go through it, love unselfishly, without expectations. And then she says, if you do it, a point will come, you will touch the principle of divine love in the person. It will become completely independent of that human being. What that human being does with that love is his problem. Of course, somebody who doesn't reciprocate, who misuses the gifts that creation gives a human being or nature is uh, hurtling towards an abyss, no doubt about it. Because when somebody receives and, you know, turns it for selfish uses, but that's the person's karma. Our karma, when we have given not to the person, but to the divine, then spontaneously, if we have to come out of a certain, let's use the word, since we are talking about persons of a certain relationship, it will happen spontaneously. And then we must have the courage to, you know, go beyond because, well, we have given to the divine and he has come in the form of one person. Tomorrow he may come in the form of someone else because our common thread is the divine. So in our giving, we should give to the divine even when outwardly it is to nature, like, you know, when we do medical duty. So it should not be this patient or that patient, but it is to the divine. As I said, hey, Sachidanand Brahm, why are you coming to me in this disguise? So that will free us because they, if we otherwise play with where to, you know, then the ego will come in and ego will create misery one way or the other. So like the flower, give frankly, generously, without calculation to whom it is going, that's not the issue. And that's something we see in our own scriptures. Mandodri, wife of an asura, is panchkanyas. Draupadi, wife of five husbands, is a panchkanya. Tara, wife of vanara. Is among the panchkanyas. Why? Because they had that vision inside. And Mandodri always taught her husband the way of dharma. So what we should hold on to is not people. I mean, even if divine is a very big word, but at least to dharma. Now dharma I am not getting into. I mean, it's a very subtle subject. It's not a rule book of right and wrong. It's whatever helps in evolution, individual and collectively, whoever is with us, we can lead them on the path of a dharma by making them more and more, you know, same egoism and pleasure and all that. Or we can lead them on the path of dharma, ourselves and everybody else, that let's work toward the collective march of mankind. Let's say a husband and wife living only for their own happiness. It's a miserable life. I mean, I've seen people make nice bungalows in some hill station, fulfilled life. It's not fulfilled, it's a stifled life, it's a wasted life. But two people coming together, but coming together for a greater good. I have seen people like that also living in forest, choosing to, you know, uh, forest studded with snakes, but they are involved in something very beautiful. Now, this gives meaning and purpose to life. And I think uh, that should be the secret of relationship. And if a relationship is not supporting this movement, then maybe one should just, you know, come out. It's not necessary. 
to necessarily you know hold on drag on stay on uh, so instead of but but one should not change one nature change the person if you like you know rather than change the nature it requires a lot of courage but well all forward movement is a question of courage that's what uh, shri krishna tells arjuna also go by your swadharma you are a kshatriya you don't change your nature because you know opposite you is bhishma and your guru and your matula and your grandfather so the true nature which is embedded in the soul we must follow that if we are a giver give but yes if we feel that somebody is you know doing adharma out of it let's say you are giving money and somebody is taking drugs obviously you will stop doing that because it will make things worse for the person it will be an act of love and compassion not giving not an act of shrinking that oh he is misusing the money i am giving no because i am not the giver and he is not the receiver but his nature is turning into something dark and worse because of this money that i am giving is going through so that is the fine balance one is to so to give to the divine and to act on the basis of dharma and i have not defined dharma right now because it's an unfolding of the truth in an individual and the society it's not a rule book thing yes We have a couple of medical questions. One is about thyroid, and if it is lifelong, uh, one has to take medication lifelong. And the other is if type one diabetes is reversible. Okay, so I'll again, as I said, medical questions. The problem is, you know, uh, I don't want to be a doctor. All know it all <laughs> on a television screen. You know, who is giving remedies? Uh, claiming all kinds of things so that's not what we should do because one has to see a person uh, this this is what i'm trying to challenge this notion of that i am suffering from this disease i would rather focus on who is the you who is suffering okay so this is one part but i can take this question in a general way so type 1 diabetes we know is a genetically you know induced something so we can make the question a wider landscape that can hereditary things can change of course they can but it will need a much more persistent all the things that i have mentioned ingredients will faith surrender it will take much longer because it's it's programmed body but it can be changed everything to an extent most of the disease now i say they have a you know seeds the genes uh, including thyroid certain kinds of thyroid issues uh, you know can be genetically transmitted are genetically transmitted then thyroid can be also because of certain in, autoimmune destruction of the cells so we have to look into uh, endocrine system they are very very both of them are endocrine disease they are very responsive to the states of emotions these are very good correspondence so it's not about whether we can leave the medicine or not it's about can we bring the change in our life or not if we can bring the change everything is possible if we cannot bring the change take the medicines whether lifelong or not so that change is twofold the lifestyle change which is more outer the attitudinal change which is more intrinsic and the change of life goal if my life goal remains the same struggling stumbling individual who is looking after his pound of flesh from life then you know medicine is needed but if my goal is vast probably i will not even bother about the diabetes or thyroid and i am giving this example of swami vivekananda swami vivekananda had diabetes he used to you know even eat sweets with impunity do we remember him for his diabetes but we remember him for that towering personality which shook the whole world literally took it in the hollow of his hands and said here is light 39 years shri raman maharishi 58 years shri ramakrishna shri Ram- raman maharishi lived longer shri ramakrishna 58 years throat cancer shri aurobindo 78 years what a tremendous impact that should be our life so instead of being disease centered become in the right sense self centered not ego self centered but centered around the psychic centered around the divine and life will be wonderful it doesn't matter thyroid and this and that everything can be cured there is nothing incurable but i am not going to make a statement like if you do these asanas you will be cured if you take this medicine you will be cured no everything can be cured but the key to that cure lies in an inner change change the consciousness everything will be cured disease in an expression of inner disharmony somewhere and the disharmony is a result of the 
consciousness with which we are operating that's where the operating system lies otherwise we will keep changing you know the computer screen but the motherboard is the same and one day it will pack up and well, <laughs> the, the the operating system is all pirated and it will give up so let's change that change the consciousness everything will change uh, what is swadharma and how is it different from the personal conscious nature so swadharma is rooted in the soul one is born with that one is born for that but everything all our education sorry to say all our parents all the society does everything in their means to make us forget swadharma because we are here to fulfill everybody else's wants and needs and desires and fancies and ambitions so by the time we graduate we have lost the soul that's why you know bernard shaw very beautifully <laughs> remarked <laughs> what is education when we have unlearned all that we had learned so swadharma one has to look deep inside study one's tastes and tendencies what gives one deepest joy not the superficial joy that i love to watch tv the deepest joy which which releases an energy of progress enthusiasm within us and follow that and if we take that lead to start with and yes we should also keep on trying to find discover our psychic being that's when we'll be sure of what our swadharma is but till then there are many hints and indications even as a child there are things which children utter which can be the you know harbingers of a future but the moment they are born they are born with the desires and ambitions of the parents to fulfill that when the child is 5 he has already forgotten what he wants to but if we really look at a child carefully you know that ceremony where a child chooses uh, sword or you know uh, writing stuff and all that was a very beautiful one spontaneous attractions of a child inclinations tendencies taste temperament but when he is grown up he has forgotten so how to discover it that with which we connect most readily to our inmost self it releases the energies of progress it's not a drudgery anymore and we must now naturally it needs courage to follow swadharma who do we can ask the divine to help us always we have a permanent help and he will help us to follow the swadharma so it's not about personal likes and dislikes for sure but personal yes something personal which we need to study carefully and we'll discover it we have to disinherit desire to discover swadharma we have to disinherit ambition to discover swadharma we have to disinherit all the entire social structures which imprison us to discover swadharma and then we have to have the courage and faith to live by that whatever happens doesn't matter if we have lived by swadharma in our life and even we have failed to meet success doesn't matter success is not a yardstick we were never made for success or failure it's a misreading of a great truth but we have set the ball rolling towards the future we take leaps because we have had the courage to stand by our own deepest truth how do we differentiate between the voice of the ego and the voice of grace when we are trying to listen to what the divine is telling us to do wonderful so first of all voice of the ego and voice of the grace or voice of the soul let me put it like that grace acts it doesn't but voice of the soul so voice of the ego is something which tries to impose upon us something do this that way if you don't do it this will be the consequences we have a whole moral structure through which the ego operates this is wrong this is right this is what will be approved this won't be approved this is all voice of the ego voice of the soul is very gentle it's like a little nudge um take that route that's it if you don't listen to it it's like a feel it's not like a voice speaking in a certain language it's a feel we get and if we take that lead then we can experience the joy and peace inside when we follow the lead of the ego we become restless we may achieve certain things immediately but it leads to an increasing restlessness very beautifully the mother speaks of path of later on but the important thing is that there is always a corrective inside supposing we have not been able to take the immediate nudge of the soul in a certain direction and take in a certain other route we have the grace walking with us that's where grace comes in offer it to grace 
whatever road we have taken because we may not know you see we have to be in a state of equanimity and freed from preferences and desires to really listen to this little voice it's not easy but what is easy is to act in our highest consciousness which is available to us for most human beings it is reason true reason not reason which justifies our desires true reason and then we act according to that which is i mean average human beings highest vivek that is the word which is used in the gita and then to offer it to the divine telling him i don't know what is good for me i don't know what is truly i am meant to do you know it all and i am giving it to you and then what he will do whichever path we may take whatever road we may take he is the one who will carry us through it he'll take us through all the experiences of life seemingly good seeming the bad seemingly bad through an entire kurukshetra towards the ultimate intended victory so that is the corrective within us to hear the voice of the soul is not easy it needs certain preliminary preparation but to lean upon grace is very easy to even if we don't act in the highest let us say we have acted in a horrible state you know but we have offered to grace what happens what did arjuna do i'll put myself to fire if tomorrow i don't <laughs> kill jayadrath shri krishna tells him why are you doing these impossible things it tremendous ego staking to the ego i am a great kshatriya how dare you kill my son i am arjuna the great warrior and quite naturally they all protect him son said that's all that is required but krishna he has done one good thing lord i made the promise you take care of the rest and krishna so but you know we have to make friends with god we have put him on a pedestal we put him all the garlands and all the mantrams homams and what not we are doing poor god must be feeling crushed under the weight of those garlands if we can simply say you are my friend and i am your friend shishyasteham sadhimam you lead me and then when we have taken such impossible promises <laughs> he will fulfill it for us so this trust bond of trust between us and the grace must be cultivated it cannot be suddenly developed one way i mean on one day because from the grace connection is always there but we have never made the connection we have lived like a patram which is upturned suddenly one day we say where is grace where is grace so we'll hear a voice turn it upward then we have turned it upwards we see a frightening picture and we say where is grace so grace will say trust me we have never trusted you know that story where a man is hanging by the tree and he says anybody out there to help and he hears the voice of god saying leave the branches and he says come again leave the branches he says is there somebody else out there to help me and he dies holding on to the branches whole night in the morning when people see they see him clinging to the branches right below there was a good platform of a rock he could have just landed on that and stayed safe so to learn to trust it's a whole way of life yoga is not a day's practice it's a way of life and we must take it as a way of life doesn't matter illness can be a starting point anything can be a starting point but if we start it today we are sure to arrive somewhere in some days but if we leave it for the last moment as a retirement plan then it will be post body turned to ashes amritam macheda basmantam shariram why you run in amritam macheda basmantam shariram so that is tragedy of life to live like that however successful outwardly we may be okay yeah thank you alok bhai we have several questions but we've run out of time so i request the participants to send it on the whatsapp uh, and email me so i'll put my email on the whatsapp because i am very poor at whatsapp i have not learned to type with uh, you know both my thumbs uh, i am much more comfortable on the email so i'll put my email on the whatsapp so any questions can be sent to the uh, on email and uh, i can transfer the answer to the whatsapp because there may be some common people but i would prefer that the question comes to email and so on okay so that will be wonderful uh, thank you so much and uh, may the grace be with all of us may we open more and more to the grace because grace is always there but may we open more and more to the grace thank you thank you very much and please come back tomorrow at 10 o'clock thank you very much.